All right. Welcome, guys. It's Michael Albrecht here. Um, we are going to have a quick chat with another veteran uh, about his experiences with being in the service and getting out of the military and uh, reinventing himself and all that kind of cool stuff. Uh, just set a bit of a little context. Um, so I am a group facilitator with a ESO, ex-services organisation called VCA. We just finished a program called Timor Awakening here on the Gold Coast because of COVID-19, we can't sort of go anywhere. But that's not what this uh, podcast is about. We're really just about um, sitting down with uh, different people and having a bit of a chat because, you know, people like Scott McAndrew here have uh, shared some pretty cool stuff during uh, circle time and uh, during our various activities. But this is an opportunity to sort of go a little bit deeper and um, have a bit of a, a chat about um, their story. So welcome, Scott. G'day, Michael. G'day, Lucas. Thanks for having me. Right, it's an absolute pleasure. And um, look, I guess the first first thing to go into is just to tell us a little bit about uh, your military background. Um, we've obviously chewed some of the same dust in the in the three area <laughs> background and airborne background, but uh, by no means is this podcast you know designed designed to be uh, specifically aimed at people from a certain unit. It can be from uh, from anyone military wide so yeah just tell us a little bit about your 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 background in the military and where you served and all that kind of cool stuff and then we'll burrow down wherever we sense is the best way to go sweet sweet no worries at all well it's a sorted story from 1988 of uh obviously going to kapuka and joining from there yeah ending up at three rr uh from three rr i did the cycle from uh to the parachute school back to three rr back to the parachute school again <laughs> and then from there i was farmed out just a little bit further within the community yep uh ended up at um, 4RR, which crossed over to 2nd Commando Regiment, yep. uh, running yep. their air operations for them, so developing further capabilities. Cool. Uh, then ended up at 6RR as a company sergeant major. Yep. Uh, from there, transitioned to 2549 Royal Queensland Regiment as a training work. You are kidding. We've che chewed more of the same dust than I realised, mate. That was my first parent unit as a reservist. Really? There you go. There you go. It goes pretty deep. Get out of town. And uh, from there, just moved, crossed over into active reserves, but that obviously turned into a, a pretty much a very strong full-time gig back at the par parachute training school. Yeah, right. Um, in and out, in and out, and then a uh, uh, CFTS contract. Mm-hmm. In 2017, yeah, and then from there I uh, got an offer for the Commonwealth Games, yep. and uh, left that and worked for them. Back again, parachute school, and then last year decided to cut all ties with the green. Wow, as I say, you practically bleed airborne. You bleed parachute school and all things parachute related, all the way. Um, and what's interesting about that is you've actually got out fairly recently too. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people in this program that we. That we do, or just people that I um, interact with in general as a coach, uh, are from all backgrounds, all the way back to, to Vietnam, mm -hmm. up until you know more contemporary veterans from the Iraq and Afghanistan era. But you, you've sort of did quite a few years, quite a bit, a lot of mileage, and your tra your transition story, I guess, is actually quite recent, and that's really cool. Yeah, relatively, the the, um, the, the decision was made to leave, and then there was a lot of planning involved in that, mm -hmm. and then finding my feet when I left, and yeah. obviously that the, the the backup was that I was still an active reserve. Yeah, yeah. So I went back, got my fill, and once I'd had my fill, yeah. come back in, decompress, uh, yeah. had enough money to get by, Yep. and then back again, touch and go, touch and go. Right, okay. Cool. So tell us a little bit, like, um, any of the key moments of uh, your military career, whether you know, the defining moments, whether they be highs or lows, or anything in between that um, have sort of shaped you, where you end, ended up going, the decisions you made, and sort of... Um, how you approach the transition up to that period, I guess. 
Yeah, well, it's really interesting. Probably about uh, around a bit. My dad was ex-military. A couple of my uncles were ex-military. They didn't right. have uh, huge careers, but we're talking uh, probably late 50s onwards. So they're all um, akin to hanging around Korea veterans or Vietnam yep. veterans in their time. Yep. And uh, I'd always had that little inkling to join the military. Mm -hmm. That turned into, I think it was a 13, I went to Holsworthy Barracks for an open day. Okay. I went across the road, saw the APCs and went at 5-7 yeah. at that time. So yep. went, yeah, yep. I don't know. <laughs> Crossed the road to 3 RR, yep. and there's all these paratroopers running around. Like that's that like, want to get me some of that? Yeah, yeah, guess what? That's what I'm going to do. And um, I tossed up through high school and everything else, wasn't sure what I was going to do, and then airborne just sounded, it was me. It fit, and it's like, that's exciting, I want to do that. Yeah. Lo and behold, there I was. Yeah. And, and what was it about the airborne side that was so appealing to you? I think it was just the risk and the excitement and everything else. And I'd seen movies like the the Green Berets mm. and mm. all these, the the Longest Day and um, Paratroopers were it for me. It was just one of those things. It's like, yeah. I've got to do that. I've got to have a shot at it. Yep, yep, it excites yep. me. And it just turned into a, a huge career, huge career, being forwards and backwards and devoting the majority of my military career to airborne. And the pursuit of excellence within airborne, yeah, yeah so it's yeah. amazing. All right, and so, um, so that, that's a really cool insight to, I guess, the decisions leading up to it and some of the influences. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And uh, I guess you know, once you were in, uh, did you deploy in, in uh, roles um, with three R So there's also Interfet. Yep, yep, yep. And well, Rifle Company Butterworth as well, yep, and yep. then uh, deployed to Afghanistan with SOTG Rotation uh, Fifteen. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And obviously, you know, only within limitations of what you're sort of allowed to talk about in, a, in an open source forum here. But I guess, you know, across the longitude of that that career, whether it was something domestically or overseas, was there anything, um, uh, even if it's just an insight or, or a lesson or something that happened to you without sort of uh, going into the tactical side of it that you think sort of shaped you and, and has been a huge um, cornerstone of who you are now? Definitely, definitely. There's a few key events. Yep, yep. Uh, obviously... Completing my parachute course yep. was a key event in my life, saying, hey, you know what, I can I can achieve a lot yep. in a short space of time. Okay. Um, and then advancing through the parachute stream from there, mm. um, being involved in a couple of incidents uh, in regards to, I was actually um, received fragmentation to my thigh in IETs, of all places. So um, I can't remember the name of the firing point, but we set some claymores out, blew them off, and just went to have a look at the effects on the targetry, mm. as you always do. Mm. Um, unfortunately, there was a UXO left behind from a previous practice and uh, one of my mates kicked that UXO. The resulting effect was uh, 15 of us received fragmentation wounds of varying degrees. Wow, that's, um, that's an initiation for you? It was, it was, but it, it, it sort of um, showed that under stress because the, the guy on my opposite side to my right actually received massive fragmentation wounds to his uh, calves right. and whatever went through him went into my thigh. Okay. And I was, I was very lucky, it was only small, probably the size of a 22. Yep. yep. And uh, treated him and then looked down at myself and went, oh, okay, I didn't even notice that I'd caught something. Mm -hmm. And that, that was a, a, a change because the way that situation was handled and everything else, it was, it was almost natural, it was normal um, to be in a difficult situation but adjust accordingly, like turn the switch, the switch was on mm. and it's all good to go and everything's handled, then I'll, we'll deal with that later. Right. Um, and that's probably a term for military anyway. You, you'll, you'll handle these situations and you, unfortunately you'll deal with it later. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say what you just said there sounds very, very familiar. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, right. And I'd say in other people's career, between all the courses and the mateship and any, everything, you've experienced that yeah. yourself yeah. within 3R, yeah. was um, 
1990, uh, one of my friends suffered a misadventure on descent to a drop zone in Sabah. So he, uh, Jonesy, his name was, yep. we'll leave it at Jonesy, mm-hmm. uh, come out and for some reason, uh, whether the static line was around his neck or his neck hit the step on the way out, um, massive trauma. So quadriplegic under canopy. Looked across after all-round observation, which means I'm swinging my legs left to right and having a look around yep. all the other paratroopers around me. Yep. Just noticed he was slumped under canopy without his helmet on. So steered as hard as I could to get to Jonesy with another mate of mine because we were yelling to each other under canopy that he's not in a good way and we landed on the drop zone. Uh, he, his neck was actually out to it where his ears were and he couldn't breathe. So we tried all resuscitation techniques to get air in there and we couldn't and the doctor eventually turned up. There was an emergency tracheotomy on the drop zone and then um, I was Jonesy's breath. So I just kept him going by breathing through the tube. And, uh, yeah, they got him to the hospital. Jonesy survived. Uh, as far as I know, he's still out there somewhere. He's still kicking, uh, doing what he's doing, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, every, that's, a, that's an incredible story. It's, it's a great story. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. just, it just shapes to who you are and how you can respond to different situations um, and how you deal with pressure as well in a short space of time. And it kind of illustrates what you are saying before. It's like... In the military, you're trained to be able to deal with a situation like that, and, and almost, you know, in this you know, healthily disassociated state where you're just in the moment, you're not, you're not freaking, you're not flapping, um, yeah, and that's perfect for that situation. And it's just, I guess, the question is, in the years that come after that, and the decades that come after that, so like, what's the what's the effect of all the accumulation of these sorts of sort of incidences on us all? Definitely, definitely, um, that it will. It, it, there's always I'll call it residue there's a little bit of residue there from all these things that you need to do mm-hmm. um, but you, you will apply the lessons you've already learned especially during transition as well yeah yeah, yeah. Um, they were rough times don't get me wrong mm-hmm. that I thought what am I doing it's crazy I've, I've, I've thrown out 30 resumes and I've only got two hits right it's like wow I've spent money and time and effort getting everything prepared rebranding even even getting business photos made with my hand on my chin with a suit on and, you know, nice hair and everything else going, hey, look at me, I'm a million dollars. Yeah. But uh, selling yourself to transition out of the military, is, is, it's difficult, it's hard, it's not easy. You, the biggest way you sell yourself is by how you present to people. And that's what got um, me my current position where I am now is that I went into a venue, talked to the owners and everything else just as friends, and how I held myself and sold myself was what um, gave them the ability to hire me without a resume. That is so extremely important lesson that you've just shared it's, there it's yeah. a good one it's yeah. a good one yeah. yeah so how you portray yourself to other people is really really important and they teach you that in the military yeah yeah i think you, you, there's this tendency and it doesn't apply to everybody and obviously it didn't apply to you that much um but i certainly see as my my role as a coach both with private coaching and with this organization i'm with is that uh, and also reflecting my own conduct after i got, got out of the military is that yeah. we have to be very very mindful and aware of how we're coming across yeah. because in the military there's this kind of set plan where you know if you stay in not that it applies to everyone and a lot of people will be very professional uh you know and push themselves to the limit either way but there is this sort of um you know staircase if you will of you know if you stay in long enough and do the right things and you do the right courses you will slowly move through the ranks but in the outside world it does not work that way Definitely. don't present yourself like you did um frankly a lot of people just don't actually care what, what you've done in the past like we do but an employer may not you know go thank you for your service and no doubt you, you're an exceptional soldier and you did awesome stuff um but 
at the end of the day, I can only employ you based on how you're presenting right now. So what you just shared there, trust me, is really powerful and really, really important to anybody. Yeah, well, yeah. As, a, as you understand as a coach yourself is that I employed the um, I employed a coach. Yep. Uh, an ex-military person that, that, that specialised in this area. And he, I'll call him Pano. Yep. And um, he, he taught me some valuable lessons because mm. his biggest one was what are you willing to accept for pay? Mm. And he said, you can't go out and I know what I was on when I left. Yep. He said, you can't, don't accept that. You can't, you, can't even hit there you've got to drop back down to a level that you can accept yep and then we'll go from there so we come to an agreement this is a level that i'm willing to accept Mm -hmm. and it turned out actually that the job that i did secure was within that band cool so it was no dramas at all so his advice was sage-like yeah yeah yeah, and and it worked out for me because i was punching into some high level yep uh you know things like state managers for st john's ambulance and things like that which i think yeah no worries i've got this but they have to they're willing to accept the risk on me which they weren't um for someone that's known within the industry already yeah and that, that is a big deal uh, relationships yes who, who you know like i know it's a not necessarily a well-received um you know fact of life but who you know and the relationships you have and the networks you have pay dividends uh, when you get out of the military like, absolutely yeah, yeah. it's uh, like anything if you're not willing to foster and water and grow those relationships yeah it may or may not work for you. Yep. So, yeah. I've heard it well put recently. Nobody cares what you've done or they only care what you can do. Correct. Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, there is a requirement for self-reinvention. Would you agree? 100% on that one. Yeah, yep. you, you need to get out there and reinvent yourself yep. and yep. obviously be confident in what you can do and sell what you can do mm-hmm. without being cocky yep. or arrogant. Or, yep. or, or um, we've talked a lot on this uh, series now about ego mm. as well. So... Mm. Ditch the ego, ditch the arrogance, get in there, reinvent yourself mm-hmm. and understand you're, you're worthy because you're going to go through some hard times. You yeah. want to understand, am I worthy or not? Of course you are. But you have to make the other person accept that you are worthy um, and humility as well. Just maintain humility, get rid of all the ego mm-hmm. and people will accept you um, into their arms. Love it, love it. Tell us, tell us more uh, about the, your transitional period specifically. We've spoken about you know your, your time in the army. Um, yeah, the, the doubts, the highs, the lows, the, the, the obstacles, you've already talked about a few, but um, what you encountered during that time, because how long were you in the military in total? Oh, it, it almost adds up to 29 years. Wow, okay. So the better part of three decades. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a long period of time to be in, in, in the services. Um, you know, I did 11 years and I still had plenty of trouble. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Um, so, yeah, just talk us a little bit more about uh, what you encountered, how you moved through it, Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll go from there. Sure. So the, the biggest thing I found, eventually I reached a point within the military where I didn't want to play anymore. Right. And it was just a conscious decision to look around my environment. I, I, before I went um, to 6R, I was in a very dynamic environment and that was an uh, environment full of professionals yep. that were always chasing pursuit of excellence. Yep. So I had my own budget. Um, I had freedom of movement within that budget and I was given a, a, a tasking to complete within my time frame uh, working for the Special Forces. Right. And uh, I achieved that time frame and everything was great and everything else and, and then it was time to move on back to regular Army to achieve other missions for growth. Gotcha. Um, once I'd gotten back to those other missions, there was a, a few key life events with, um, you know, after deployment, wife leaving and everything else that, that took me down a really slippery slope. Mm. And I'd probably give myself 12 months of, I'll call it darkness, 12 months of darkness. And through the help of a, um, a counsellor that was employed by the military, that was alternative. 
not not the mainstream and uh, her name's Alison mm-hmm. and we established a really fantastic relationship. So she rebuilt me back to where I was. It's like a line in the sand. Are you a warrior or are you a whinger? And it was, it was really good. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm a whinger at the moment and I've got to get back to being a warrior. Um, so looking around my environment, decided, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. Uh, I need to figure out something different. So leave uh, and luckily the parachute training school uh, still wanted me to maintain my skill set, yep. which is great for me. So I could duck in and out, play soldiers, not play soldiers, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Uh, during that time, trying to find another position and everything else and figure out what it is I want. So I, I'm, I did get off track a little bit mm. and sort of figure out, hey, I'm just going to chill and do this and there's nothing else on, but I still had other responsibilities in life. I still wanted to go other places and grow. Mm. So it was a conscious decision. Well, what do I do from here? I've got to find something that I can sink my teeth into. So that the first one was um, what do I want? Figuring out how do I find something else with purpose? So I'm not going to sit in an office and drone away on a keyboard I still need to find something that uh, I can get involved in that provides purpose for me. So that was the search. Yeah. Trying to, f- looking through Seek and finding all the other jobs and everything else. And, oh, wow, that's exciting. Cool, cool, cool. I can mm. do that and marking them down and then being completely rejected. And that, that weighs on you. And I thought, big oh, thing in the military when people transition is rejection. Big time. Yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't really happen in the military that much. It can in some spheres, but no. not, not, not by and large. Mm. Yeah, and then one of the things I found about the uh, military is that it was very rare, if you were high-performing, that you wouldn't fail things. You would fail, right? but I'd still go home with a course report um, with qualified or good to go. I didn't fail any courses, um, and it sets you up for failure. You're not used to that. That's right. Um, unless you're going through a full-on selection process uh, where you, you, uh, you will fail, and then they'll say, come back and try again. Mm. Mm. But, um, you know, learning from that is that I had to accept hips. And even when I was at the parachute school, you're training special forces soldiers. You get to a stage on a freefall course and you say to them, look, we've only got a week left before we transition to the next phase of this course. Unfortunately, you're not performing at the level we require. We're going to send you back and we're going to bring you back on another course. And it was devastating for these guys. Mm. Absolutely devastating to think that they've, they've gotten to this level already and they're now failing. And it's the same when you transition out um, we weren't, it's not really failing. Obviously you have to learn from these things. You have to grow mm. and, and move forward and figure it out. So once I was out there and moving around in my own space and figuring it all out, it was just digging in. Like, like as normal, just dig in, get there, find something mm. that's important to you and then try and hone in on that thing. doesn't matter what it is. It, it could be anything. You know, It could be volunteering at your local shelter. I want to go and volunteer and look after dogs and cats and stuff. That, yeah. that, that'll start you on your road. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for myself, it was just I, for some strange reason, wherever I was living, I'd establish a relationship with the um, local cafe or the local alcohol vendor or whoever else, and you'd start up with this thing uh, and just touching base with all these people because they actually meet more people in their environment. And from then on, it's a trickle feed; it, it moves out further and further. And oh, I know you; you're the guy that goes here, or blah blah blah. And you just keep meeting all these people further and further out. Um, much like as we've learnt from here, the drip line on the tree, mm. you know, that to where the leaves go out, the water comes down and nourishes the soil and the roots go out that far. Talk to each other and they support yeah. each other. Yep. Yeah, and you do the same thing with people. Amazing. Uh, if you don't take that opportunity to go and talk to people, and that's the other barrier, you have to go and talk to people. Yeah. There's, there's no getting away from that. You can't sit in your hole. Uh, you've got to get out. And, and that's a big people. thing if you if you were the kind of soldier that was 
they've just been shelled a little bit, and I, was, I certainly was guilty of that to a degree. It's yeah. like you, you know, um, you have to go out there and be visible. Mm. Yeah, that's profound. Yeah. So it, it moved through, and there's a lot of lows, and on the lows, it's it's self doubt, it's self hate, it's 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 um, I'm not worthy. There's nothing I can do, but you have to drag yourself out of that and look back at all the all the incredible things you may or may not have done. And relate to those situations and say, okay, even adventure training. Mm. I mean, one of the most powerful tools I felt within the military was to go out and put yourself in uncomfortable positions mm. in foreign environments and learn from that. And that that's exactly what it is to get out of the military. Same, same, same principle. And isn't it profound? Like, uh, you know, and I appreciate your vulnerability there. You know, you've because you know, as a as a digger, as I was in three area, you know, I would have looked to you know a, a warrant officer or a wing. Sergeant Major, or you know, yeah. a, a high flyer at um, a Sky God, yep. <laughs> you know, and I would have just assumed, you know, the exterior, the exterior was everything that was going on. You know, yeah. a, a confident, uh, highly capable, you know, uh, assertive person, and you are all those things. But I wouldn't have had the uh, the insight to know that underneath all that, yes, every single person has their vulnerabilities. Every single person still has their fears and insecurities, and especially when we're put in this. Uh, environment where we've left the military that sort of stuff boils to the surface doesn't it definitely definitely yeah. does boil to the surface yeah, yeah. Um, and then just controlling that where, where does it sit with you because mm-hmm. you are going to have days I'm not going out I'm not I'm not even mm-hmm. going to make my bed today I'm not even going to wash the dishes yep I'm just going to sit here I'm going to watch tv I'm going to stew in my own garbage and that that may last a week hopefully it doesn't last two weeks or three weeks and grows into a month or yeah. wherever you need to go with it mm-hmm. then you pull yourself back out and back into the fight that's right. Um, the, the, the mental status to achieve that is, you, you, I mean, the, the team these days, they have so much at their fingertips. They've got, you know, fantastic coaches like yourself. There's online content and everything else. You get into podcasts. Unfortunately, when we listen to podcasts, we like to listen to what we like. Mm. Um, it's a little bit of failure. So what you should do is reverse that and find a podcast you don't like and listen to it. Mm. And it may readjust how you're thinking. And you'll actually go, oh, okay, I don't like that, I don't agree with it, but I'm going to listen to it. Mm. And th- that'll change your way of thinking. That's a really interesting point. Everything. You know, I really hear quite often the idea of hanging around like-minded people. And I don't disagree yeah. with it. I think there's definitely value in doing that, especially, you know, collaborating on things and so forth. But I think there's equally as much value in hand hanging around non-like-minded people at times because especially if you're going through something different, you're trying to create something new or you're going through transition, I'd say in those periods of time, hanging around uh, the exact same type of people as you are in that moment or at that point in your life may not necessarily be the greatest thing because they might try and pull you back or they might try and give you what they think is good advice but it actually may not be what you need right now. Um, So, yeah, that's a really, really interesting point. You've mentioned a couple of times and – what you've done is something that a lot of veterans have some hesitancy in doing. That's reaching out for mentors. You mentioned you had a coach. You mentioned you had a, a counsellor. Just talk us a little bit about like, your advice and your experiences with reaching out to people to help you go through this sort of transitional period. That's that's a difficult uh, question, to yeah. believe it or not, to yeah. try and find someone that suits you. Yep, yep. Or if you if you find someone that doesn't suit you and they're giving you sound advice but you're not listening to it, then you've got to readjust as well because they could be telling you everything you need to know but because you're not connecting with them. Yep. It's yep. A, a different thing. So I, I was very fortunate. I've got a, um, some buddies that I've known for over 30 years. Right. Um, we're all military. We've all followed the same pathway. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's about bouncing uh, ideas and everything off them as well because they've got life experience as well. So I'll, yeah. listen, I'll implicitly listen to them. 
And if I'm being a dick, they'll let me know. Cool. And that that's the beauty of it. So we're all together. But but finding someone that suits you. Um, I did, did a little bit of research and just searching around to see who's who, who's what, because there's a lot of agencies that will say, oh, I'm ex-military and I'll look after you and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And then I, I just found one I clicked with. And we sat down. The fact that he was um, no BS at all, no BS, mm-hmm. this is the bottom line, yada, yada, and we got on just fine. Yeah. And that, that was it was just finding someone that did suit me and I was listening to him. And that, that w- it just went on from there. Um, so if you're going to go out and you're going to find someone, then you need to – it's an interview process. You, you're just not going to pay money to someone and mm. sit down and listen. Mm. Interview them. Don't muck around. Get in there, sit down, have a chat with them and figure out if they can help you and, and – you know, you can help them to where you need to be. If you don't like it, move on. Find someone else. Yep. And just go through a process. It may take four or five different people. Mm. No big deal. But just remember, you've got a, a wealth of knowledge around you, especially these days. My goodness. Mm. You know, there's so much, so much out available. there for yeah. veteran. Yeah. It's incredible. It's almost yeah. Sometimes it's almost too much. <laughs> well, it's not too much, but there's um, sometimes it's hard to see through all the noise to find what's the yeah. right organisation yeah. or the right person for you, as you mentioned. Yeah. And, and once this person gives you advice, you have to employ it. Yeah. You can't sit on your laurels. The, the best thing I had with my coach was he, he gave me homework. Mm. And if I turned up to the next meeting a week later and I hadn't done my homework, he was like, what are you doing? Mm. Why haven't you done your homework? You just haven't looked at this at all, have you? I went, yeah, you no, know, you're actually right. I was out on the gas with the boys catching up. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, I did not do my homework and it shows. He goes, yes, it shows. Yeah. So. Yeah. Take 20 minutes to read through it, have a think about it, then we'll move forward from there. Yeah. Cool. Love it, love it. And uh, you, you've mentioned also a couple of times the idea of finding new purpose. Yes. And I think that that is absolutely profound. You know, that, that is such an important thing for uh, us veterans to do because when you get in the military, you, know, you get given a purpose, you get given an objective, you get given you know, a, a mission statement, you know, the role of the infantry is you know and you get you know a warning to all qualified paratroopers you will <laughs> you know yeah, there's, exactly. a, there's, there's these clear lines and uh of assault of, as, as it were to try and um make things happen but when you get out that's on you now yep. it's completely you know it's, it becomes like a one-man band for a little while so talk, talk to us a little bit about how you found that and, and so what the, some of the highs and lows of finding new purpose was mm. um so obviously the Commonwealth Games was interesting to me. Yeah. It, there was there and I said, oh, I've, I've got to find something that I can sink my teeth into. And I looked at this and it was obviously a training role. So I was a training manager for the uh, volunteers. Yep. So yep. I had about 2,500 volunteers to train uh, with a team of seven. And unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but fortunately I was the only guy on the team. So all my f- peers were all female. And this is sort of a foreign concept to me because mm. all my teams are normally guys. Yeah, and there's... Yeah, there's yeah. Um, uh, you know, a couple of girls here and there smattered through the organisation. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this was a, it was a complete reverse. So I was almost like uh, for the first two weeks, when I talked to them later, once I got to know them, they said, "Who's this dude? He's he's come in. He's got a set of chinos and some shoes on and a collared shirt. He doesn't say much. He's really clean cut. What a straighty." Right. Yeah. So I just played the cards because I was so worried about upsetting people or anything coming from the military. So yes. I just played it quiet. Yeah. yeah. And then that 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 grew from there with the relationship. But the the thing that sold me on the job was it was training, uh, which I can do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was management, which I can do. Mm-hmm. And then it was a task that I perceived as um, high risk because it was like, wow, two and a half thousand people. How the hell are we going to achieve this? So it was exciting. Mm. It was it was good to go. Um, once I got into it and I was in an office for the first few months 
uh, working out of um, uh, Commonwealth Games headquarters at Ashmore Bundle area. Nice. And I'm sitting in an office and I'm looking around at the other drones. And I thought, what, what have I done? Have I made a boo-boo here? <laughs> this is awful. Right. I've got a headset on and I'm talking to people on the phone. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I've gone from, you know, being a company sergeant major, et cetera, to this. This is, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I go home, have a few drinks. Yeah, that's all good. Wake up the next day, go back to work. Good to go. Um, which is a bad cycle to get into. And eventually, once we kicked in and I, and I started meeting the volunteers and that revitalised. I was like, wow, these people are actually doing this for free. I'm asking them to drive for eight hours a day for free because they want to um, help the cause, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. And their average age was about 55 believe it or not, so a lot of retirees and everything else volunteering for the games mm. and tapping into their uh, life knowledge was one of the advantages. And, um, you know, oh, what did you do in your past life? It was, I was actually a, a structural engineer for a major mining company. Oh, wow, well, tell us all about that. Mm. So once you find out the stories and everything else, uh, so they've all still had purpose. They've left their other life behind. They're 55. They're generally retired. Mm. They've joined the Commonwealth Games for purpose. They haven't joined it because it was cool and they wanted the uniform. Uh, that almost gave me a rash, by the way. It's made out of the lowest bitter. Is that because you were so used to wearing PT gear all the time? You didn't have to wear a uniform for years at, at, at story. training school? <laughs> no, no, true. I had it. I actually turned up at my discharge ceremony in PT gear. <laughs> but that's another story. I'll yeah. digress on that one. I won't go down that line. All good. Um, but, yeah, just meeting all these people and they, they, they just wanted to give back and, and provide purpose and everything else. So that was like, I get it. I get it. I can see it. I need to do that again. So the Games is good. The Games is over. It was hard times. It was hard work. There's a lot of hours involved. And at the end of it, it was a pat on the back, good to go. Um, and then from there, once again, the cycle started. Oh, crap. Now I've left my purpose again. I've got to find mm. another purpose. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so back into the low. Figuring out now, well, now what am I going to do? Okay, cool, no worries. In another couple of weeks, I can go back uh, teaching people to jump out of planes again as a reservist. No dramas at all. Back in, haircut, shave, good to go. Happy as Larry, marching around mm-hmm. and doing a task that I'm so used to and accustomed to that it's it's not even really a challenge apart from the actual jumps. Um, and then whilst I was on the games, uh, they go, oh, you're ex-military. There's this place that throws axes. <laughs> I was, I, was, I was hoping we were going to lead to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's a sort of a skill at arms. I wouldn't mind maintaining my skill at arms. <laughs> so I went in there and just threw some steel around. I thought, well, I like this. It was just two guys in an industrial era in their own shed. They've created this thing and I just chatted with them. And that's all it was. It was a conversation from there that just grew and grew. One day a week of me throwing turned into two days a week. I'd go in on Sundays, throw some more steel, have a chat with these guys. And about a couple months into it, um, as we went through and I, I, I knew these guys even further and the idea they had, I thought, that's a really cool idea. It's, it's going to go somewhere eventually. Um, they said, what are you doing next week? And I went, oh, I'm just heading back down south again to just do some more work with the military. And I went, oh, cool, no worries. When you come back, let us know if you want a job. And I went, oh, this is, this is cool. No worries. This is, it's almost what I'm used to, but it's not. It's because it's a completely niche market. Which right. is, it is the military in a way. The military is a niche market. Yeah because we're so small, mm-hmm. and I thought, yeah, I'll give it a shot. So I'll come back and say, yeah, I'll, I'll have a shot at it. So I started as a coach, and then within a month or so of that, they say, hey, you want to run the venue? Because we're going to open up another one. And I went, oh, I've never run a venue before. Yeah, let's go for it. Just in the deep end. Show us what you got. Mm. 
let me know what you need and we'll go from there. So they put all their faith in him. He said, do you guys want a resume? And they went, nah, you're good. Okay, no worries. That's uh, 100% your call if you want to go down the way. Mm. I'll give you one anyway and I'll show you what I've done. And that just grew from there. So Brisbane grew and then um, they said, oh, look, we're going to open another one. Do you want to be operations and training manager? And I went, yep, no worries. How much does it pay? No, just joking. <laughs> and uh, it, it just grew and grew and grew from there. So that, that, that's the story from there. And it was onwards and upwards. And once again, uh, purpose. Purpose was back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, had, I had more purpose than I could handle, actually. That's right. And uh, lifestyle changed a little bit with the hours and seven-day-a-week operations and et cetera, et cetera. But it was still something that I was accustomed and used to. Mm-hmm. And we've had our highs and lows in that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I had to teach myself hospitality. Yeah, I wasn't used to hospitality, being nice to someone on purpose. Mm. Um, but that's grown. It's actually changed me. I've and done the, something. Old back on the knife arms. And, uh, no knife hands. No, 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 knife, no knife hands. No knife hands to a customer. <laughs> a customer saying something, you're nodding, smile and wave. Nice. Smile and wave. And I learned a lot of that from the Commonwealth Games as well. Right. Which was right, the right. best part. So I transferred that into this. And then eventually it becomes second nature, if you know what I mean. It, if you put yourself in uncomfortable positions on a regular basis, you are going to get used to that. Um, don't run away from it. I'll be writing that down, listeners. Yeah. Put yeah. yourself in uncomfortable situations so you become used to it. Yeah. yeah. It's huge. It, yep. It's it's a baseline, really. Yep. And uh, so never shy away from it. I don't know that. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't know what to do. Put yourself in the situation. Someone's going to help you out. If you've got a, a good mentor or, or someone with you that can hold your hand a little bit and then uh, trust your abilities. Get in there, have a go at it, mm. and eventually that will become your environment that you're, uh, you know, happy to function in. Yeah, it's like yeah. when I train a new coach. They're they're in there, they're looking at all these lanes. They've got people throwing axes left, right, and center. Um, it's a foreign environment until you hand on the shoulder say, "Hey, let's stand here. Let's look at this differently. I'll show you what you can see from here, mm. and I'll show you what you can see from here. Notice the difference." And like, wow, light bulb, light bulb's on. Great, I know what you're getting at, and you can, you can put that anywhere in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really sensing a few themes about the way you've approached the whole transition. Mm. One seems to be the attitude that you've approached it with. You know, uh, another one is how you show up and how you're carrying yourself. Yeah, you know, and you know also the the search for purpose. Yes, in everything that you're doing. Yeah, you know, it's almost like they're the, they've been the guiding principles from what I've picked up over the last half an hour. Um, yeah, I don't know how much that resonates, but yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, even if you're walking down the street. Go down the shops. Yeah. Walk tall. And creating relationships with yep. as well. Big time. Yep. Big time. That, that will help you all on your way because you'll have a whole other network of people to support and help you. Mm. And that feedback will be sent on to anyone else. Because someone might go, How oh, do you know that guy? And we, Oh, yeah, I know him. Cool, cool. Just just walk tall, walk proud, show yourself, mm. talk with confidence. Yeah. Um, and when you're engaging people, engage them. And so, something I've learned of recent is just make sure you're present. When mm. you're talking to people, yep. you know, they understand that you're listening to them, and it just makes a world of difference. It's going to grow. You don't need the resume. You don't need to stand up and say, "Hey, look what I've done." Mm. Um, a lot of the time, it doesn't. It, it counts, but it doesn't count because yep. they're looking for something else. I think there's a cultural change within employment, depending on the industry, mm. whether they will try and find a fit for the company, and then give you what you need to function within that company. Which is, if I ran my own company, that's how I would go. Yeah. 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 And what would be your, your advice for um, really distilling and capturing some of the, you know, the better parts of s- someone's military service? Like I can really see the, 
the parallels that you've drawn from you know, your parachute training school background and the, the various things you've done coming over into the axe throwing business. Um, you've had to calibrate it a little bit. You've had to dial some things down, other things up, and learn some new skills. But you know, I saw you out there on the range when we went as a group. I could certainly see this blend of you know a military guy, but a guy who has softened that and has enabled that to be you know funny and dynamic and relatable to civilians. Like, how have you merged those two together? Experience, yeah. Getting there, testing it out, testing the waters. Uh, def, I like your term. Use dialing back. Mm-hmm. 100% had to dial everything back. Uh, coming in from an environment where safety and everything else was purpose and 100% and everything had to be good, yep. conditions were favourable to do what we do, but um, moving into the civil sector, I did have to dial it back a little bit. Mm. Dial it back. And everyone thought I was a little bit high-strung at first, but yeah. that's okay. Yeah, they, yeah. they can do that. Yep. I had a job to do. Yep. And uh, it was sitting back at night saying, okay, so I now I've got a direct result of what I do. I can actually see these people. I can see their faces, their reactions to everything that I'm doing mm. and because they're not looking forward or anything else. They're actually reacting to all the words I say. Even I'll call them words of command for want of a better thing, but you know, my instruction to them on how to do something, if they're not reacting to that in a certain way, I'm like, oh, wow. You know, it's, why aren't they listening? God damn them. No, not their fault, my fault because yep. I'm not putting across correctly. So I had to manoeuvre and change everything that I was doing to suit the needs of the uh, customer. And it it it, um, it was a hard road. Yeah, it was like why aren't they listening to me? Because I talk, I'd give uh, taskings to a venue manager, and he'd sort of look at me like, "So sorry, what do you want me to do?" I just told you, mate. I just told you everything you need to know within five seconds. And it's like, okay, yeah, I need to change my approach. You delivered a snap set of orders. Boom, one hundred percent. Like, why aren't you listening to me? Open your ears. They, they made a cloth. No. Aren't, you, uh, aren't you familiar with Smeak? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Smeak works. It still works. It's yeah. still functional. Yeah. If you don't use it, there's something wrong. No. Nice. It's, it's, uh, so I just had to readjust everything. And it's it's taking a critical look at everything you do. Yeah, don't shy away from that. Don't think you're right. Uh, this will come back to ego. Mm. Drop the ego. Get in there. Because that's not what they teach us in the Army, is it? Nope. No, they don't. So there's certainly no aversion to uh, the ego or training on how to turn it on or off. It's like you're going to need this thing when you're under... Under fire, Correct. so that's the way you're gonna live. Yeah, whatever pressure situation you're in, yeah, um, you're gonna have to use this. Uh, yeah, so you just have to dial it back. It's it's all self assessment. If you don't assess yourself, mm. you, you're mad. You're yeah. mad. If you don't listen to the feedback coming from other people, I mean, I had a situation a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I forgot how to listen, and it was me telling someone, "No, just do what I told you to do," as opposed to listening to what they were putting across. Mm-hmm. And you know that that was my fault. 100% my fault. Mm. And I go revisit it later now. Later said, yeah, okay, now let's talk about what we what just happened then and we can get through that. Uh, so it's not the military. It's another sector mm. and you just mm. need to dial it back a little bit and f- find out your environment. Yep. Um, I know, you know, most of the people I know in the military are very intelligent people. Yeah. Um, they adapt to their environment. They do really simple things like turn up on time, even if it's five <laughs> minutes early. Yep. I know what you're laughing at. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, Make your bed. Yeah. You know, if, if a shave makes you happy, you want to clean your shoes, go for it. Whatever works. Mm. But uh, once you get into the sector, just just apply this. Just apply this. Turn up to work on time. Don't be late. If you are going to be late, call forward. Uh, have everything set, everything prepared, good to go. Don't leave anything to the universe just yet until you trust the universe. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, once you climb over and get used to that and get used to the cycle, you'll judge it, you'll test it, say, oh, what, what can I actually get away with? Mm. And that has no effect on my environment whatsoever. And you'll test it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that today and see what, it, see what effect it has. And guess what? A lot of times it may not have an effect. And you're like, ah, I get it now. I get it about dialing back. Everything doesn't have to be ticked off. It's okay. Mm. It's going to be fine. And you've got enough skill and experience to handle what's not ticked off on the spot. Yep. No dramas at all. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And so I guess maybe just as a, a final topic to wrap up, um, you know, we've spoken a lot about the transition piece, we've tra- yeah. all about the reinvention piece. Um, you know, you've shared some things over the last few days. And if you, I hope you don't mind me sort of bringing it up, is that, you know, as most people on these sorts of programs have, we've all, um, battled with the black dog at times. Yeah. We've all had, you know, the, the um, mental illness to a degree, and I understand that that's something that you have um, come a long way with yeah. yourself. Um, what's what's your advice for people who are struggling with that sort of thing at the moment? If you're struggling with it, you need to figure out a what works for you. Don't forget, you've got so many resources out there to help you. Mm. Do not deny those resources. Mm. Um, if someone's saying to you something to you from outside, um, listen, listen to that because they're seeing you from a whole different perspective. Right. Uh, you keep going down that hole, it's going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. You've got to have people to rely upon. You've got to use um, all your resources to get you where you need to be. I mean, I know I've been through it. I was going to blow my head off with a Kimber forty five in Thailand at a range, have a passport in my back pocket, and I decided, and I went to the range every day at the same time. So they got used to me going there. So if I was to turn the pistol on myself, it wouldn't be an issue. wouldn't be a problem. They wouldn't even bat an eyelid because, oh, Mr. Scott's at the range again. You know, he's a good shot. He's really enjoying himself. Yada, yada, yada. And then, then there was just that self-realisation of, what, what the hell am I doing? Mm. This is crazy. You've got to be kidding me. Um, where do I go from here? Right? So I've got to get everything that's important to me in my life and bring that back in and get going again. So it's the same to, to drag yourself out of the hole. You've got to use all the resources you have at your fingertips, no matter how painful it is to you. Mm. Get in there, get the advice, get it rolling. Don't deny that. Don't take a week and say, I'll be okay in a couple of weeks or whatever else. Mm. As soon as you know the slip, get onto someone to help you out. Yeah, use everything you've got. Amazing. Well, mate, uh, thanks. So much for sharing all that. Like you really, I think we could, uh, you know, we could probably be here for hours, but uh, I think we've hit on some really big gold nuggets. And thank you so much for sharing a bit about your story and being raw and being vulnerable. And I have absolutely no doubt that anyone who listened to this has learnt a lot. I know I have. Um, and, mate, uh, we'll keep these conversations going when we get the chance to. Hey, Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to pass on what I know. And uh, hopefully someone does learn something from it. They absolutely will. You're most welcome, mate, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you, sir. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, mate.